Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on whenever you're watching. Thank you for tuning in to the Restricted Zone podcast on YouTube. I'm your host, Jonah Wooten. This is episode 127 of the Restricted Zone podcast, and episode number six on our wrestling playlist. Yeah, we we six episodes in already, and guys, a lot has happened in the last month since we did our SummerSlam predictions episode. We've had three pay-per-views across AEW and WWE. CM Punk, Phil Brooks, once again without a wrestling home. What did he do? We're going to get into it. But, you know, I we can't talk about anything else um, before we get into this. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the uh, untimely, unfortunate passing of one Bray Wyatt. But um, before we get into any of that, before we, you know, dive into his career and, you know, the memories that he gave us as a performer, I want to introduce my co-host for tonight. Seem, introduce yourself. What's going on, man? Talking wrestling, love talking wrestling with you guys. It's been a minute since I was on it, but ready to get to it. Let's go. Yes, sir. Greg, introduce yourself. Stop being dramatic, man. <laughs> My fault. I'm wildin', I'm wildin'. Yeah, you good. Listen, what's up with y'all, man? Long time no see. How y'all doing? Coming to you yeah. live from the 215. Um, just happy to I'm, be just happy to be with y'all today, man. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's yes, sir. Time. And Chris hopefully will be joining us later in the episode. He was running a little bit late, you know, he's at the gym. Getting the pumps in, doing this thing. I think Greg was just coming from the gym too. I've been in the house all day after work. Um, I ain't working out type. I need to get get on it. Yeah, see, you see the you see the uh, Listen, twenty inch pythons, man. I gotta get in on something. that. Let me tell y'all something. All right, y'all hit y'all mid life y'all mid life crisis. Your quarter life crisis, which is about to quarter be I'm about, yeah. I'm about to turn twenty five. It's real. You, it's real it get real. You like, yo, I'm fat. Like, I, I'll be, I'll be here too much. Like, that's, that's when, that's when the motivation. You feel me? See, that's me. That's me. But I'm just too lazy to do anything about it. That's my problem. Man. I'm yeah. That's crazy. But, anyways, let's get back on track here. Uh, Bray Wyatt, Wonder Rotunda. You know, and I'm sorry, by the way, that we're even this late talking about this, but we had to talk about it. You know, he, he passed away almost two weeks ago, August 24th, um, from a heart attack. It was caused by complications from COVID, as reported by Sean Ross Sapp and Bray Wyatt, born as Wyndham Rotunda. You know, he, he leaves behind four children. Uh, he was only 36 years old at the time of his passing. He leaves behind four children, two of which he had with his partner and former WWE ring announcer Jojo Offerman. He also leaves behind his father, Mike Rotunda, better known as IRS, his brother, Taylor, known as Bo Dallas in WWE, his mother, Stephanie, his uncle, Barry Wyndham, wrestling legend. And in the afterlife, he joins his grandfather, Blackjack Mulligan, another wrestling legend, and also his fellow Wyatt family brother, Jonathan Huber, better known as Brody Lee in AEW, Luke Harper in WWE. One half of the Wyatt family gone, just like that, is unbelievable. Sad, tragic, um, three years apart between those two, and it just adds to a, to the list of all the names that we've lost in the wrestling business so far this year. And you know, it seems like these lists get longer and longer each year, and it's just like it's it's 
it's pretty depressing, but it's life, you know, and um, we, we've lost superstar Billy Graham, the Iron Sheik, Bushwhacker Butch, Lanny Poffo, the brother of Macho Man Randy Savage, Jay Briscoe at the beginning of the year, among others, and yes, it, it's, it's a part of life, unfortunately, but death is kind of what gives life meaning, it kind of, you know, it, it makes life precious, you know, so just remember that, you know, you never know when your time is coming. We had no idea that, we know that Bray was dealing with some sort of illness, but we were getting updates that, you know, he was ready to come back at any time, and just for this to happen, just out of basically nowhere, just very shocking, so, you know, tell your loved ones that you love them every day, make sure you let them know, because life is very short, it's very unpredictable and death is permanent so with that being said um seeing uh, i'll start with you just i guess your thoughts on you know what's been going on in your head the last couple of weeks you know any memories that you have of Bray Wyatt you know favorite matches or segments or anything first and foremost rest in peace to Bray and condolences to his family that was a father and um, it always sucks for, to lose somebody like that who's so young, too, only 36 years old. Uh, he was always one of the, the most unique minds in wrestling. And I feel like he never really got to reach his full potential, whether it was to, to booking or to just maybe his ideas being a little too complex. But you, you always recognize his, his creative genius and just being so different from everybody else. Um, when I think of Bray, I always think back to his Eater of Worlds days and his, his feuds with the likes of, of Daniel Bryan and John Cena. And Daniel Bryan in particular, I always think to to that steel cage match he had. I forget who he had. I just remember the, the Yes movement right after where Bryan turned on him when the whole when the crowd was going crazy and their match at Royal Rumble was was killer. Um, and his feud with John Cena, man, it was, it was a great feud. I think people, people kind of forget about it. I thought it ended... With John Cena winning, I don't think John should have won that match, but it was a great feud nonetheless. And obviously the the Fiend character, which and it didn't get to the point where it probably should have. And I, I would definitely blame Booking for that one, but just like the the beginning of it and how intriguing that character was, and something so so fresh and so new, and something we just haven't seen before. And that's always with something we've seen with Bray, whether it was good or bad, it was just something we never seen before. He was always coming with up, coming up with unique ideas and unique characters, and man, definitely gonna gonna miss him. I, it's crazy because I remember around WrestleMania where when he they started saying, "Oh, he was he was dealing with an illness or whatever," and he started missing time. But never did anybody think like, "Man, you know, he's gonna pass away or, or lose his life." And when the news broke, it just came out of nowhere, man. It was not it was no build up to it, no lead up. It just came out of nowhere and. It's just a sad moment, sad moment overall. You know, I, I, it sucks we never got to see Bray really go deep into where he wanted to go to it and deep into his potential. But, you know, I, I can definitely say I, I'm happy with, with what we got, man. He, he was a great, great wrestler, great, great mind. Uh, from, from the looks of it, just from what everybody say, a great person overall. Everybody who's talked about him has said they love, they, he, he brings the joy up in everybody. He was a great father from what everybody said, a great husband from what everybody said. Just rest in peace, man. And obviously, well, like like we said before, condolences to his family, his his children, and like what Jonas said, man, just just hold your family dear, man, because you you never know, you never know. It could happen any any day of the week, any second, 
happen like any any time. So just hold your family dear, tell them you love them. If you got anything to say to anybody, make sure you let them know because you never know. Beautifully said, man. He he was a former WWE champion, former two-time Universal champion as a fiend, former SmackDown Live tag team champion, Randy Orton. Greg, just any, you know, like I asked him, any just, you know, memories, feuds, matches, segments that come to mind. Yeah, I just remember, I don't know, this first championship win at Elimination Chamber when AJ was going for the Phenomenal Forearm, and he caught him. And he hit him with the, uh, uh, was it Ripley or the Eater? Okay, Sister Abigail. I was going to say the Eater yeah. of Worlds. Um, it was like, that should have been, been a finishing move. Yeah. Um, I just feel like I just really didn't see it coming. Like, you know, it's at a time where like AJ Styles had established himself at like, you know, uh, even before the Eater of Worlds and like, uh, character and gimmick of Bray Wyatt. Um, and, like, I just thought it was just going to be another opportunity of, like, wasted opportunity to get Bray over that they were going to waste. And, like, when when AJ went for the phenomenal forearm and he caught him and he hit him with the sister Abigail and it actually went to three. Like, the like I just remember being so shocked. And I just remember everyone, like, that first uh, SmackDown afterward, everyone telling him that he deserved it. And him just kind of, like, him, he's supposed to be the heel. But, like, you know, just, like taken in that moment like I just I will never forget that and I I honestly felt like he should have won at Wrestlemania I don't understand why they didn't allow him to to win like I feel like Bray's all of Bray's wins like the preceding like matches to follow all of his championship wins were always so like left you feeling like you wanted more that that Seth Rollins victory came after the 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 match where like he should have won and then they kind of like screwed him out of hell the yeah at hell in a cell like um and then that final one like he only held it for a week <laughs> you know what i'm saying like i just feel like all of his like moments in glory like were always so short-lived and i just feel like he should have he deserved like an extended run and i just feel like he always found a way to invent himself because even when he came back that like firefly uh firefly funhouse was like some of the most like like engaging like content like it was supposed like it really he really started that off as like more of like a mid card like type of like um a mid card type of like role when he came back like it was being like those firefly fun houses were being aired like midway through the shows and stuff like that but like i felt i saw myself even when i wasn't watching raw like I was gonna be, I was going on YouTube and I was watching what happened at the main event and I watched what happened whenever he did his job uh, with the Firefly Flying. So I thought that was like, it was just a, a unique way to like reinvent the character. And I just felt like he always found like unique ways to have matches. That match with John Cena at WrestleMania, like I thought was just like a really cool meshing of like two worlds and stuff like that in the in the COVID nineteen era. Um, so it's just like I don't know, he just never gets his, he just never got his just do. And like you always just felt like the next one was going to be the one until that other found a way to like not give it to you the way that you wanted or it just got short lived because like of an injury or a scenario or something like that. So I felt like, you know, Bray, Bray deserved the world and, you know, he got more than most wrestlers do within the WWE. But I feel like with his talent, with his like creativity, like he deserved that much more. He should have been like a multi-time 
world champion with extended reigns. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned that Firefly Funhouse match with John Cena. First of all, those segments were consistently like the best thing on Raw every week at the time. Like they were just wacky, out of this world. Like to someone who wasn't a wrestling fan, if they were like tuning in for the first time watching that, they were probably like, what is this? Turn channel right, weird. But, yeah. <laughs> but for us, like us wrestling fans, it's just like, man, like as weird as this stuff is, it's like it's something different, it's creative, and that's just who he was. That's who Wyndham Rotunda was. He was just creative, one of the most creative minds in the history of the business. And damn, it's like that match with John Cena was personally my favorite WrestleMania 36 because it's like, I mean, it's kind of hard to pick a favorite match from that card because it was just like, you know, COVID era, warehouse, everything was kind of just like last minute thrown together, but. You know, the, you know the, the Orton and Edge match was pretty good, you know, and another cinematic match between, you know, Undertaker and Edge was also good, but... AJ Styles. Okay, yeah, AJ Styles, sorry. Undertaker and AJ Styles, you know, that was pretty good, you know, for Undertaker to, you know, go out on that high, but my match of the, of the card was that um, Firefly Funhouse match. It was just so weird, and I loved it. It was weird in a good way, like kind of just like poking fun at Cena in his whole career and oh yeah go like a deep yeah just like death like just psychological warfare that he was performing on Cena and then actually getting the win getting his win back at WrestleMania against Cena um I thought that was just really poetic for him you could tell Cena was having a lot of fun just working with him and doing something yeah because not I don't think a lot of guys a lot of top stars will be willing to do something like that, kind of just poke fun at themselves yeah. and take the loss in the match. Like, I thought that was just brilliant. It was brilliant writing. It, of course, it's not like a technically sound match. It's a cinematic match. There really weren't any moves or holds, but it was just entertaining. That's the whole point. Like, that's what the E in WWE stands for. It was entertaining. And to lose a mind like that, it, it, it's a big blow in the business. Not to mention, the day before he passed, we had already lost hardcore legend Terry Funk. Um, uh, and he passed at 79. So it was like, okay, well, he at least he at least got to live his life. You know, as sad as that was, at least he got to live his life. Bray Wyndham at just 36. It's just unbelievable. And I don't know if he'll ever have a mind that creative in the business again, honestly. Um, so, and also another person I'm thinking of, of course, his family and close friends, um, Eric Redbeard, other known, otherwise known as you know Eric Rowan and Braun Strowman, those two guys, losing both of their wife family brothers like that in a three-year span. You know, I really just feel for them too. And it was really classy for WWE to have them come out and uh, be a part of that tribute show on the SmackDown following his passing. So, And the show itself was very, very touching. Um, them leaving the rocking chair there after the Tim Bell salute with the spotlight, I thought that was just like a beautiful uh, tribute to Bray. And man, it's like, we're never going to see that rocking chair again. We're never going to see that lantern again. We're never going to hear, I'm here, or we're here again. We're never going to hear... You know, we're never going to see the fiend again. Like, it's just, it's crazy. It really is. It's sad. But, you know, I am, seem like you said, I am happy that despite some, you know, 
poor decision making by the uh, creative team and you know the booking team that we did get the moments that we did get from him yeah. and um, we just got to cherish him and let me back on YouTube and just you know just rewatch and just you know, reminisce. Um, any final thoughts before we move on? Or? Yeah, real, real quick, I, I know. Uh, he's a little before our time, break, break. We're talking a lot about break just because that's who we grew up on. Yeah. Even it's a recipe Terry Funk. I when I think of Terry Funk, uh, when I was younger, going through on demand on cable, whatever you had, and going through, I remember I would, I would watch all the matches. I remember one specific match, it might have been, I don't know if it was DCW, just some random territory, but I remember watching Terry Funk versus Big Foley in some hardcore match, and I was like seven or eight years old watching these guys. With thumbtacks and they, and they heads and stuff like stabbing each other. That man was crazy. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah, it's like, uh, obviously, we, we don't know much. I, I, me personally, I don't know much about Terry Funk. He's a little before my time, but you could still recognize the impact he had when you just hear about wrestlers talking about about him. Like, yeah, rest in peace, Terry Funk. I wish, wish I could grow, grow up on him a little more. I'm definitely um, wanting to. Just go back and watch some of this stuff, man. Go back and watch some of this stuff. Terry, Terry probably goes like, Absolutely. And before ECW really, like, took off and blew up in the mid-'90s, you know, he took a chance on them. And, you know, he helped to elevate all those young guys in ECW. So, you know, shout-out to him for doing that. Shout-out to him for, you know, giving that small promotion, formerly known as Eastern Championship Wrestling, a chance and kind of helping them usher into that extreme era that we all come to, you know, know and love. So, you know, a hardcore legend in his own right. Um, I don't even know if, we'll have, if we had McFoley without him. Yes. So, you know, thank you, Terry. Thank you, Bray, for everything. And it's just sad, but... At least Terry, you know, as I said, you know, got to live his life. Bray just not only in the prime of his career, but in the prime of his life with four young kids. Um, it's really just a shame. But I do want to move on because we do have a lot more to get into here. And hopefully if Chris, if he can make it in, I'll let him, you know, share his thoughts as well. But for now, we're going to pivot into uh, it's, it, it's not sad news, but it's, it's frustrating news. And that's. Phil Brooks, Seam, I know he's your guy. I know he's your guy. Phil Brooks, CM Punk, terminated from his contract this past Saturday, September 2nd, just the day before the all-out pay-per-view in Chicago in his hometown, and hours before collision that night in the same building. Um, this firing it stems from a backstage fight that he had at the all-in pay-per-view with Jungle Boy Jack Perry um, at Wembley Stadium in London, and AEW president Tony Khan, he had made a statement, a PR statement, and he also, before collision, you know, pre-taped a, a slight segment where he explained his reasoning for the firing, you know, ex- explaining that, you know, AEW's legal team consulted him and advised him to make the decision to let go of CM Punk. And he also stated that he felt like his life was in danger during the altercation itself. Whether, you know, a monitor fell on or whether he was trying to calm Punk down before his match with, with uh, Samoa Joe. You know, Punk, he actually, after the altercation, went on to go wrestle his match with Samoa Joe at all. And, it happened before. 
It happened before his match, yes. It happened before the match, and he went out afterwards. So he went out and just, you know, because, I mean, you got to, like, I guess, like, a show goes on mentality. You know, you got to go out there to do your advertise. It's just crazy to think that he's coming out, and he, yeah, no idea, you know, that he was just tussling, scuffling with Jungle Boy. And then, you know, I, I wasn't there. Like I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to judge. Tony Khan, like I wasn't there. None of us were there. We don't know exactly what happened, but he claims his life was in danger. Maybe that's just him saving face for making a move. I don't know, but um, CM Punk is gone, and Jack Perry currently is suspended indefinitely. I guess the real AEW World Championship is just gone now. I guess that's just not a thing anymore. I knew they were going to set up a match with him and MJF sooner or later to determine the real world champion, but now we won't have that. There's so many dream matches that we won't get now with Punk leaving AEW. So, Greg, I'll start with you because I feel like you're a little less unbiased with this. I'll, I'm going to start with you. Was this the right move for Tony Khan to get rid of CM yeah. Punk? Yeah, I feel like CM Punk honestly has morphed himself more into a diva than I felt like he was at any other point in his life. Because like the whole shtick with CM Punk was that he was underrated. Okay. Here's how I, here's how I looked at CM Punk. And I know this is a wrestling podcast, but we gotta we gotta use football analysis for this. CM of Punk for most this of this is a sports podcast uh, podcast first and foremost. So you know. fair enough. CM Punk, for real, for real, in his WWE run, was basically like a fourth round, a fourth to seventh round wide receiver trying to get playing time on the field, trying to earn his stripes. Like, he working hard. He doing all the gritty stuff. Like, he was running special teams. He did, he did ECW first. He came back to the ECW champion. You know what I'm saying? Made his way, like, two-time money in the bank winner. Like, you feel me? Do all that just so he can have a spot on the team. Solidified his spot. Got a contract. You feel me? Got a contract extension. Now he now he one of the main people on the squad, main people on WWE, one of the faces of the company, longest reigning a WWE champion, one of the longest reigning WWE champions in modern history. Once he cut that, once he cut that pipe bomb, it was over. Once you get that second contract, the first contract is like, yo, I'm I'm here. I'm just happy to be here. Once you get that second contract and it's like major dollars, now you like, ah, like I've arrived. I'm I've entered my diva prime. So he went from being like seventh round draft pick to turning into Terrell Owens. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like it's like his AEW run felt like he transitioned from being the Terrell Owens from the DL of wrestling is not a horrible analogy, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he went from being like University of Ten what was it Tennessee Chattanooga? You know what I'm saying? Like HBCU <laughs> to to being T.O. like with the Cowboys, like get your popcorn ready, like Tony Romo, that's my quarterback. Like he he started doing too much. And it's like every single time now you hear all this like ruckus and stuff like that. And where it's like now, like I like I remember the day I remember dropping everything that I was doing to watch. That whatever the Friday night show was for all elite wrestling, I forget what I'm like in a rampage that first episode of rampage. I remember like posting it on my story. I don't even use social media like that. 
I remember posting on my story like, yo, this is like top five moments. Like, I never thought I would see this again. Like, him walking down the aisle, aisle, telling Darby Allen, come get some. Like, you feel me? Like, come get this work. Like, I'll see you next Saturday type vibe. Like, I remember all that. But it's just like every single time he can never, he can, he couldn't stop himself. He felt like he was top dog and he felt like he could just talk to anybody always. He always was getting the confrontation. If he if they wasn't trying to do it his way, he always had beef. And it's like, bro, why I always gotta be beef? Why can't you be vegan? Why can't you be vegan? Why can't you be, you know what I'm saying, like pescatarian? Why I always gotta be beef with somebody? It was it, you know what I'm saying? Jack Perry is just the latest and greatest form of who you got beef with every single time he steps into this ring. The list goes on and on. It's like, bro, you're supposed to, he said he came back to be a voice for the locker room. He said he came back to like, you know what I'm saying, like help the new generation of wrestlers out. And then his last way of him going out is fighting Jack Perry, who's trying to make a name for himself in AEW. Now you just talk to him. Because some snarky remark that he made during the pre-show of All In. Facts. He said this is real glass. He talked to. He looked at the camera. He he said this is real glass. Pointing to the pointing to the car. He deserves to get fought off that. Like, come on, CM Punk. What are we doing? What are we doing? Now you T O. And now and now when we talk about greatest of all time, it's gonna take you. you I'm saying your third year to be in the Hall of Fame. Because you was on some weird stuff, but you were you had first round talent, yeah, first year eligibility talent, but you want some nut stuff, bro. Like, and I can't get behind that. I can't get jiggy with that. Seeing, I mean, this comes basically a year after the whole brawl out thing, after the all out pay per view in 2022. I mean, it, at some point, enough is enough. I feel like numbers wise, it's going to hurt the company in the short term. But I feel like long term for the locker room is going to benefit them because it's like, as Mark Henry said, it's, there's no excuses now. Like, it's not going to be just kumbaya in the AEW locker room, but there shouldn't be any more of these type of instances in the AEW locker room. You got the quote unquote cancer out of there. You cut the cancer out of the body. Now you can start the healing process. But do you think you know business wise or Whatever wise for this company, was that a good decision by Tony Khan? Uh, well, first and foremost, uh, we I think you guys know I I'm a big CM Punk fan all time. I think besides as Jeff you Hardy, should be, yeah, I think besides Jeff Hardy, he's definitely you know he will be considered my favorite wrestler of all time. Just like, yeah, but I love CM Punk. But also, I I can acknowledge that in in this his short time in AEW, he's been nothing short of problematic for them. Um, with the Jake Perry stuff, with other reports coming in, it's looking like CM Punk wasn't necessarily in the wrong for what he did. I guess maybe he's in the wrong for for starting the physical altercation of it, but just from other reports saying like Jake Perry came up to him or something like that, like I, you don't know what to believe. Regardless of everything, it seems like every time there's a problem, there's a common a common theme, and that that CM Punk is a part of it. And whether it's because there's a lot of reports saying that there's a lot of guys in AW who, who were like trying to just poke the bear and just try to get a reaction out of them. Regardless if that's the fact, the fact that they constantly got a reaction out of them, where you're supposed to be yes. this 40 year old pro, is like, come on, man. 40. We gotta be better. We got to be better. But I will say, I feel like uh, AEW's problems are a lot deeper than just CM Punk. I think. Uh, Tony Khan has lost the locker room, and I feel like there's, there's not really much respect for him at this point. Um, I think there's a lot of petty drama in AEW, even beyond CM Punk. 
play. Obviously, Cena Punk there was a lot of a lot of stuff towards him. A lot of people didn't like him, but there's a lot also a lot of people who did like him. You heard as just as many people who had something bad to say about him. There's just as many people who, who come and defend his name. Um, I think CM Punk had the good had the right intentions when he came to AEW in terms of wanting to be that locker room and wanting to make good business. But there were just times where I felt like he got his feelings feelings hurt. He's always been an emotional guy and always wear his emotions on his sleeve. And um, yeah, man, CM Punk just could have went about going going about things just a lot better than he did. Uh, I always think about the all out press cursing out the company and saying that the the company ran by children right next to the boss. Like that was crazy. God, he muffin mouthful of muffins just running down his. Yeah, like talking, executive vice president, like executive vice president, yeah, which is which is kind of my problem. Like, yeah, they should be, I mean, Kenny Omega has kind of been out of the way, so to speak, you know, these past you know few months after you know his suspension. But the Young Bucks, I mean, these guys, talented wrestlers, one of the best tag teams on the face of the earth. All right. But for them to still hold executive vice president, you know, to still hold that title after everything that's happened, seeing how they're, you know, acting after the firing, um, it was, I think it was after the collision show, one of the Jackson brothers is doing victory laps in the ring. It's just like, it's immature. Like, these guys, like, you're grown men. Like, they're young. Like, I know it's in the name, Young Bucks, but you guys are grown men. Um your executive vice president shouldn't even be getting themselves close to an altercation, let alone, you know, being, you know, in the actual altercation, throwing chairs, you know, a steel biting people. Like I'm just thinking back about that, that brawl out skirmish. Like there was an actual dog in the room when the fight was happening, but a steel was the one biting people, not the dog. Like and he was fired for that. And I think he got, I think he was brought back, if I'm not mistaken, which I don't know why he would be, but it's just, I don't know. Yeah, I man, don't know if, if there is a locker room leader. I mean, you have guys like Mox and Chris Jericho, Brian Danielson in that locker room. They you said, tell me, after the, the all-out stuff, they said those guys did try to step up and get the locker room together. And, um, they, yeah. They did say that. Uh, and, I don't know. I, I feel like with the CM Punk stuff, I feel like most of the stuff he didn't really start it. It's not like he is just going yeah, out looking for. But the thing with CM Punk is, once he gets rubbed the wrong way, he takes it to a hundred, and it's hard to yeah. That that's the problem. It's not that CM Punk is just out here starting problems with everybody. It's just once the problem starts, he takes that problem and he brings it to the public eye. So like, I, I can see why he was fired. Um, it's probably good for CM Punk to get fired. He obviously going through it. They don't like where he's working. I mean, it is what it is. I, I just think AEW probably could have went about it a little bit better. In terms of how the impact is, they'll be fine. They're, they have a lot of stuff that they don't need CM Punk. Obviously, CM Punk is good for business, but, like, they'll, they'll be fine. I think it's, like, much of a worry that CM Punk will be fine. Um, I think Tony Khan needs to get it together. I think he needs to get a grip on that locker because I feel like a lot of people saw that all-out presser and just how Tony Complet, CM Punk get away with so much and think, oh, you let him get away with all this. So, and we could do whatever we want, man, because you, you let him do it. Like, you let him talk shit about you right in front of in front of the whole media, talking shit about you, talking about some, this, the companies ran by children. 
and the boss is sitting right next to him. Exactly. Because he called his MVP's children. He's saying that they couldn't even manage a target. You're basically saying that your boss did a bad job of hiring him to his face. Like, essentially, yeah. that's what he's saying. Tony was little. just sitting there not, like, saying a word. Like, a little shot to Whenever Tony's talking, he's <laughs> the pump rolling his eyes. Right? <laughs> you what? You're, you're 40, bro. Come on, dude. Yeah, man. It's... With that being said, with that being said, I do hope Triple H picks up that phone and calls him over. Ah, uh, jump the gun. Well, I was about to say. Uh, it begs the question. It begs the question. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you have the, the stuff. He's a problematic guy, but regardless of per- anything, you cannot argue that CM Punk is still, he's, one of, he's still one of the best. Like whenever he's on, whenever he was on the screen, whenever he was getting going, everything he was doing was really good. Like I don't think anybody can deny that he was still putting on great storylines, still putting on good matches. Like when he's out there, he's he's one of the best. He's just the MJFU was money. I was CM Punk is the Kyrie Irving of wrestling right there. Not a lot of guys named like too too promising, right? But they could acknowledge that talent. He's I mean, Greg, I saw you shaking your head as soon as he said Triple H. Like, you shaking. I mean, you don't want to see him dollars, dollars wise, business wise, of course, Just WWE would do it. But... You don't want to see him on your, on your screen? No, what's the point? Because they're not going to treat him during, like, it's just going to be another fight and it's just going to be another hard, like, ending. Like, who is he coming back to fight? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, there are a lot of people that he could potentially fight, but I don't necessarily. Um, think that they are um i don't necessarily think that they are um, going to have a mutual relationship that benefits cm punk because at the end of the day tony khan gave him a lot of great feuds tony khan gave him the opportunity for him to talk as much as he wanted to on a weekend week out basis and he gave him an opportunity to become the world champion i feel like I feel like if Triple H wasn't even gonna willing to give a lifer like Edge, who battled back from a for from like major a major injury, if he isn't even willing to give Edge the opportunity to like win a championship, don't get me wrong, they gonna they gonna force feed you CM Punk in the beginning. They gonna put him in like these different feuds. They gonna give him an opportunity at Roman Reigns or or at, you know, Seth Rollins, whoever the champion is, but he's never winning. And he's always going to be the bridesmaid, never the bride. And that's going to last the first year. And then we're just going to, they're just going to like moving towards the side, you know what I'm saying? And then give him these like side views and stuff like that. Like, you know, like I think they haven't even given Finn Balor the f- proper opportunity to like be a champion again. Like, I don't even, I like, and I'm not saying Finn and, and CM Punk are on the same level, but I just don't think that CM Punk fits the criteria of the star that they are looking to promote because they're looking for future stars, not trying to hold on to the past as much anymore. And you could you can make that argument with someone like a Brock Lesnar because he going 45, 82 Brock Lesnar going to look like a beast and he going to act like a beast. But CM Punk's style, his in-ring ability has declined in a sense where for the AEW environment, it works, but for for him to really put on a show, the way he is able to at this age in his career, I don't think WWE provides that opportunity. And I think the style of AEW more so fit what he was trying to do, 
And because he's lost that, I think WWE would just be just more much ado about nothing. He gonna give you a pipe. He gonna pipe bomb you every week until you're tired of the pipe bomb. But then after that, nostalgia wears away. He's just gonna be another wrestler, and he's just gonna be tight, and then he's just gonna go away. Man, I, I gotta, I gotta disagree with you on that one, man. I feel like Punk is more than just a, a pipe bomb. He's he's like a great, he's a great storyteller, bro. Even with AEW, he has some amazing stories. He's still working the ring. He still has some good matches there. You can't can't deny that. I think even with WWE, he would still put on some. Uh, some good matches and to the point of him being mad that he might not get a world title or might not be like position. I played with AW. He didn't really care about that. Like he, he wasn't worried about, Oh, I want to be the world champion. I want this day and the third. His stuff was always just little locker room stuff and having beef with people. Like punk was never worried about him being positioned anywhere, but he just opened the show. Like he didn't care that he wasn't the main event of all in, or he never, even when he won the world title, he said he didn't, he didn't really want to work, win the world title. That's what he said at least. You, I mean, yeah, you take everything with a grain of salt, but just like, I never, I never coined Punk to be a liar, and he said, it, like, he came in there not really thinking about being the world champion or trying to be the top guy. He just wanted to help make some money, help get some, do some good storylines. I think he would do the same thing with WWE. I thought, I don't think he would go in thinking like, oh, I gotta be the world champion now. I gotta be world champion a year from now. I think if Punk is just put in a position where he's telling good stories and he's he's satisfied with what he's doing. I, we'll see about the locker room stuff and just having beef with people, but just like in terms of just a storyline standpoint, he didn't he didn't really have a problem with it. Just from what we've heard, like, he didn't have a problem with not being the main event of a of a pay per view or something like that. He just he did what he he did what he did, and he if he enjoyed it, he enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm seeing. This is like a severe sidetrack, but to your point, Greg, it's crazy that Edge never got a world champion, like another like world championship run in his second run. But Bill Goldberg did. That's like, crazy. Bro, speaking of, like, speaking of, I'm sorry to bring it up. And speaking of Bray Wyatt, rest his soul, like, really? Goldberg that was, beat the Fiend in like, Saudi. Like, that was really one of the worst was, booking decisions. Like, is he really about to beat him? Oh, my God. He I just, forgot that was his first loss. Like, wow. Oh, my God. With the uni? Oh, like they already you already kind of killed the fiend character of Hell in a Cell when you when you stop the match. It's Hell in a Cell and they call the match off, which is just asinine. Right, he takes too much damage. <laughs> and then he went and then he won the title the next pay per view in Saudi, Crown Jewel, and then he loses the belt in Saudi. I've got the other pay per view that they do over there, but oh my god, man, he won the belt in Saudi Arabia. Boston Saudi Arabia to Bill Goldberg of all people who could barely get him up for a jackhammer. Man, I'm I'm sorry, I just had to like get that off my chest because that's just incredible. But um going back to CM Punk and AEW, I mean collision was their Saturday night show, which is kind of like wrapped around CM Punk. It feels like that show was kind of made for him to kind of keep him separated from the rest of the locker room who were normally show up on Dynamite, you know, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega. So, I mean, now I'm hearing reports that Brian Danielson will kind of be the new face of that show. Do you think that show will be able to survive without Punk, or is it kind of a lost cause? It'll be fine, man, because AEW is stacked with talent, and they were going to do Collision with or without CM Punk. It was just kind of just like, it's convenient that CM Punk's coming back. We could just put you on this show, let you let you do your thing over here. We let them do it there. But 
whether CM Punk was coming back or not, they was going. They were always going to want to do Collision. The, uh, the network wanted them to have another TV show, and they just wanted to give give more guys opportunities. I mean, Collision has been beneficial for like guys like Miro, for for guys like uh, Bullet Club Go. Who, by the way, Jay White, before he he came to AEW, I didn't really get it just because I don't really watch New Japan like that. After watching mm-hmm. him on Collision, bro, I get it. He's he's a star, bro. He's a future champion over there. Jay White is him. He's a really he's so good, but um. Yeah, back, back to uh, Collision. They'll be more than fine. And I remember I was I was having those questions, too. And then literally once I seen Brian Daniels, I'm like, what, what what do they have to worry about? Like, these guys are so stacked with talent. So stacked with talent. It's that was ridiculous. my sole surprise for them to come out like that for, uh, for uh, um, Ricky Steamboat. Oh, God. Yeah. For them to come out for Ricky Steamboat and accept that uh, challenge with Ricky Starks. For a strap match at All Out. So that's a great segue. Um, we had three pay-per-views in the span of, what, eight days, seven days. Um, we had All In in Wembley Stadium. And then the very next week, I personally kind of don't understand the logic of doing two pay-per-views in back-to-back weekends. But AEW pulled it off and were fairly successful. Um, they had All In and then All Out the week after in WWE. Um, the day before All Out on Saturday, hosting Payback in Pittsburgh, All Out in Chicago. So, I mean, going to All In, because I was first, they sold 81,035 tickets. That is a record, yes, wrestling sir. record. WWE, yes. they've had bigger attendances, but like those WrestleMania shows, but a lot of those tickets were given away. These are all sold tickets for AEW. At the gate, and they had a buy rate of between 168 to 184,000. So successful on the pay-per-view front as well. Um, so just some notable matches from that show. FTR they retained their AEW World Tag Team titles over Young Bucks. Soraya won the AEW Women's Championship in a questionable decision. Um, Is she? In a fatal four-way. Yeah. What? I didn't know that. <laughs> I thought. <laughs> I did not oh, Soraya, know. Soraya is the the women's champion. Bro, you thought she yeah. was gonna go. You thought she was gonna go to Wembley Stadium and, her and then country. not win. That's why I'm, I'm just I'm so, I'm just shocked that I don't know why I didn't know that. I thought that yeah, she um, defeated Tony, I thought she uh, Tony Storm, team. former wow. champion Hikaru Shida, and that's Rick a questionable Bacon. one right there. I don't know about that one, Tony. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Look, yeah. uh, we'll see. We'll just see. I I'm I'm, I'm gonna be nice and, and just say we'll see. Um, CM Punk in his final match in AEW retained the real world championship over Samoa Joe. The acclaimed won the AEW trios titles over House of Black, and MJF retained the AEW title against Adam Cole in the main event. A tremendous match with a tremendous story. Oh my gosh. Beautiful story. Sorry, let's just talk about it, bro. MJF is talk about so it. good at everything. He's, He's so, so good. good. He's so good, bro. And this little baby face when he's had, it was always just about what he can do it. He is such a good baby face. He's good at everything. MJF is, is like the best in the world, but I don't care. He's so the good. fact that he's the best the fact baby, bro, my swear, the best heels end up making the best baby face. He's so good, oh, bro. Yeah. He's so but good. But it's man. like, yeah, I just, I just, I can't, I can't put it into words. And the best two heels do make the, the best heels do make the best baby faces, but. I feel like for him, I really just didn't see a path. Because he was such like an outright ass. <laughs> exactly. 
But the fact that he's like, he's a baby face, but he's still managing to, he's just like leaning into the church. He's still the same character. He's just like, I'm going to yeah. lean into the church a little more, do that. Or, uh, it's crazy. I remember when, when Adam Cole and MJF first started their feud, and you knew it was going to be a good feud just because it's two great wrestlers, but like, you didn't think they were going to have this tag run and it was going to be an MJF babyface turn. If you told me at the beginning of that, that at the end of it, Adam Cole might might end up being the heel and MJF being the babyface, I'm like, what are you talking about, bro? And now we're here now. It's like, oh my God, when is when is Adam Cole going to turn or is MJF going to turn? It's like, you just don't know. And it's, they, they've done a great job with the storyline, man. It's, it's the best storyline going on right now, for sure. For sure. It was a great match. Your, thought, your thoughts on that match and that, and that finish? And after the match, just the storytelling aspect of it. I just, the match itself was great, but the storytelling. I I really thought I really thought Adam Cole was gonna turn on him. You know what I mean? Like I I really I really thought that's how it was gonna end. And then after the match, when Adam Cole is like going through the realization that he actually lost, and then like you know what I'm saying MGF trying to cheer it up like oh buddy it could have gone either way. I'm like this dude. This dude is trying to like. This is how great the storytelling is. The asshole is trying to console his competitor slash friend, who he just won the world tag titles with for Ring of uh, Ring of Honor. That like ah, it could have gone either way. The dude that claimed himself to be the best, he got, his belt is Burberry, his strap is Burberry. Like, he prides himself on being the best. Is telling another wrestler, ah, oh, could have gone either way. But look, look, we still have the ROH World Tag Team titles. And then he sh- he throws the, and then Adam Cole throws the, the tag title out the ring. I'm like, oh, this is about to go crazy. And then, bro, and that hug, bro, bro, I'm going to tell you right now. I was at the gym. I was doing crunches, bro. And I was doing crunches, and as soon as, like, he turned his back and he was like, just do it. Just do it. I literally stopped everything. I'm, I'm literally on the floor at the gym just watching this. And when he gave him a hug, bro, I hold was on, like, hold on, hold on, like, hold on, hold on. Time up. They had all in at the gym? No, I'm watching, I'm watching it. Oh, on your phone? Yeah, I'm watching it on my phone. Oh, I got you. I was about to say. Oh, no, no, I got you. I got you. You trying to hold my spot up, bro. Chill, bro. My phone, my phone. Bro, I thought the gym was... I thought your gym was like, I thought it was locked no, in. They're not pro wrestling. They're not pro wrestling. But long story short, that hug, bro, I was like, dang. That's 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 how you end the show in the crowd? And when the the pop that he got, I was like, oh, I felt that. I felt that. No, that was a great. That was a that was probably the one of the best endings of a pay-per-view that wasn't like ah, a heel turn. Ah, like something crazy happening. That was probably the best ending to a pay-per-view. I've seen it sometimes. Where it was like it's a good swerve because you were expecting just all oh, typical heel turn. You know, Adam lost he didn't win the championship, so now it's like ah uh, friendship over. But like they stayed friends. That's a swerve, like that's a good swerve. Cause you're just like you're waiting on Adam to say, you know, screw this. I don't care about the tag titles. All I really wanted was that world championship. I didn't get it. You know, I was just acting like I was just being buddy buddy with you just to get that world title. I didn't get it, so screw you. No, like they stuck together, and for them to do that, it's going to make that eventual turn hurt that much more. Yeah, for sure. Especially when you you think about how M. Jeff has been selling it, talking about some oh Adam Cole, he's teaching me how to trust again. Like I didn't have any friends before this. Like I couldn't trust anybody, and Adam Cole is teaching me how to do that. 
and when he turns on it, uh, I think Adam Cole is gonna be the one to turn. And when he yeah. eventually, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. Yeah, overall, all in was just such a success. It's such a big move for AEW makers. Like having a having a, a pay per view like that, that's the WrestleMania now. If they if they could continue they going, that's the WrestleMania now. And just I, I want to bring this up just because I know it was definitely intentional. Did y'all see Will Ospreay's entrance? I didn't. Y'all didn't see Will entrance? Well, no, I didn't see his entrance. Bro, his entrance was insane. He had the fireworks and all. It, it was crazy. And it was it was definitely like Tony Khan doing. Hey, I did see like them shooting the fireworks off the top of the stadium, like WWE does. Yeah. Or... Will Ospreay's entrance. Oh, was I can't insane. wait for the next year. All oh, the link is going. Ooh. Yeah, you know the eagle. The eagles like the like their fireworks, so you already know like what WrestleMania is so, going to look like. Neil mm. Punk out to them. To them. Maybe MJF, man. And MJF. MJF comes to WWE, man. And something that's just as huge. If Will Ospreay comes to AEW, that's huge too. That's huge you too. Might as well, you might as well stay over there, right? I think that's why. So you have to after this, you have to go and watch that entrance because that's definitely Tony Khan be like, hey, we going we gonna make you, we gonna make it happen, man. We gonna try to get you here. We gonna we gonna try. Tony, to Tony, you know he got deep pockets, so that that pyro budget ain't nothing. Ain't nothing. He gonna he gonna he gonna go deep into the pockets to try to get Will Ospreay. Yeah, I'm telling you. And um, also, I don't know if you guys know, but AEW, they already announced that he's going right back to one. They're running it back for all in next year. Oh, they said it? Four. Yeah, so. Are they that, doing that? Are they doing that? In Wembley. Yeah, but. They're going to run it back. I think he said that they're going to continue to do the, the back-to-back weekends, too, because he said he wants to keep all out on Labor Day in Chicago and all that. That, that just might be the thing moving forward. I mean, I'm typically having pay-per-views just back-to-back like that just – doesn't they made, make sense, but I mean, they they got away with it. I mean, yeah, it I, I worked out. Watch all up, but they a lot of people said just from like a, a, a in ring standpoint, just front to back, all that was a great pay per view. Uh, sh- I want to give a shout out to Orange Cassidy, man. I know there's a some people who are a little indifferent about I wanna him. Get, I want to get to that too. Yeah. I'm a big fan of him. Had a, a fucking amazing ring with his international championship and just elevating that title to be kind of like their their IC title, their workhorse title. So shout out to him, man. I think. It was a good decision that if anybody's gonna beat him, wait, wait it off. It was a couple of times where I, I really want to swerve to beat him. I'm a big swerve fan. I think he's he's very underrated, but John Moxley being the guy that beat him keeps that keeps that prestige on the title. And shout out to Orange Cassidy, man. He really, it was a little bit of title defenses. Yeah, yeah. And he really he really brought that title into relevance and like just shout out to him, man. It was a great run. I hope hopefully he gets some rest. Let him get let him get a month up <laughs> because he definitely needs. It. Yeah, I mean, when he won it, it was still the All-Atlantic Championship, and then they changed the name to the international title, and it's like, all right, like, this is, like, their IC title now, like, their workhorse belt, and that, I feel like that's what the TNT title should have been, but, you know, that's been hot potatoed, and now, I mean, the TNT title is gaining some relevance back now with Luchasaurus and Christian Cage, they're doing great things with that belt, but Orange Cassidy kind of just, like, he quietly had the best title reign in AEW history, dare I say. Quietly. Um, I'm trying to think now, like, you know, Jade Cargill, you know. Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega's it. world title run. His run was great. I think Moxley's interim world title run, it was a little shorter, but it was a great run, too. He was having some great matches, too. Like, if you combine the length of the run with the quality of title defenses, I feel like. Yeah. Because I think Omega, I think he's set the longest range, just period, with any championship with the world title. 
But if you combine like the title defenses, the matches he's had with the, the reign of his championship, yeah, quietly one of the best reigns. He's for bro, and and I think Orange, Orange Cassidy, he's quietly one of the wrestlers of the year. But he's easily you gotta you gotta no you gotta put him in that top ten, bro. Of the year, you gotta you gotta put when him that, in that top ten. That PWI come out, he better be. He gotta be in that top ten. He better be. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Orange Cassidy, man. Absolutely. Freshly you squeezed. Continues to prove guys wrong. I remember when the AEW first came around, he's just like a comedy character. Now he's like one of their top guys, one of their top stars, and he just continues to do it. Absolutely. Um, and that's development. I'm hoping to see the same thing out of out of Jack Perry, aka Jungle Boy. I was very, I was very disappointed in his. Um, I've been very disappointed in his character development thus far. And like when they did that four pillars match, I felt like out of all of them, he's probably the least established. And I, yeah. I felt, I thought that feud with Christian Cage with uh, with Christian was gonna like propel him into like another stratosphere because you got somebody on the mic that's gonna force you to have to talk in a way that was gonna like elevate you. But I just it just got too complex for me. Like I was just like. I'm not as invested in this. Even when they brought his their, his mom into it and stuff <laughs> like that, like like I I really thought that was like I was just like this kind of feels like forced. Like this doesn't feel like authentic in a sense. So it was just like um I don't know. Like I I think I think Orange Cassidy is one of those people where it's just like you invest in somebody and this is the payoff. Like it's been what three to four plus years. It's it's almost going on four years and like now we're starting to see orange cassidy in his greatest form but like he's always had the ability to do so mjf like darby allen like i don't know I'm, i really want to see some more from 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 i guess jack perry i agree, I agree would, it, would it be disrespectful to consider oc one of the pillars over jungle boy just replace him who i think oc like 37 though he's kind of old <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like one of, in terms, not in terms of age, but like in terms of just like the originals, I guess, AEW originals. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, he's definitely, in that sense. definitely done way more than him. Yeah. RB. Um, like that one title ring kind of just outshine anything Jungle Boy has done so far, with all due respect. And he's been attacked. Darby, team, Darby had a great TNT ring, too. It obviously wasn't as long. No, I meant. Jungle Boy, not Darby. Oh, yeah, no. Darby, Darby, he's done great oh, things with TNT. Even team. without the ring, Orange Cassidy was already better than Jungle Boy. But, but yeah, that, that title ring put him in, into a new stratosphere for sure. Yeah, I, I feel bad kind of just jumping on Jungle Boy right now, even though, like after everything that's happened. But, I mean, it's... I see what you mean. I, I, whenever I, I tune in and Jungle Boy's on my screen, I have trouble caring. I don't, I don't really yeah, care. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad, but it's, like, it's just the truth. It, it, is. it is. What it is. You got time to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, he's how old? 26? I mean, he's got his whole career. He's 26. He's only a year older than me. Like, he's got his whole career to figure things out. Yeah. I don't know if a change of scenery is what he needs. He's got the heel turn, but it's kind of not moving me right now. Yeah, it's not really here. So it's like, I don't know what he needs. A championship isn't going to fix things. I mean, he won the FTW title and then got rid of it. So it's like, it's not even a sanctioned title, so it's like, I don't know if that's what he needs, like a singles title run. I don't know. 
like a tag team. He's already done a tag team thing. Maybe a heel tag team. Yeah, AEW has like a hundred factions. Maybe he can join a faction. So many to choose from. Like, yeah, no, I don't know what he's No, this is like the hook, but like, I feel like that FTR championship thing is just like specifically to him, to his dad, to Taz. Yeah, like, so even that like storyline was a confusing, and then for him to just not only have it for like what, like less than two months, like I was just like, okay, <laughs> like. Uh, <laughs> The whole the whole title was kind of like a, just a novelty thing, just like a nostalgia thing for those ECW fans. I remember last, y'all remember last year or a couple of years. I forget when he came up, but when Hook first started, he was popular as hell. Bro, fire! He was and, really I just, hot. And, and I forgot. Went, I think it was 2021, two years ago. The two years ago, right? And how did yeah. they? It's certain things like how do you? They had him and Danhausen have a tag match for one for one night, bro. They should have kept going with that because it was that was such a good thing going, bro. Hook calls him, right? Hook Hook yeah. Like just those two like extremes working together is like yeah. it's that like ah pairing that shouldn't work and yet it works. Like dude was right. I hate to use this word, but he has like an aura to him. Like he's just like At least he did. I don't really I, it's kinda like Like bro, you he still gets a reaction, I, I guess, but like, like if he hits the gym a little bit, you give him a mouthpiece, maybe Taz somebody, like like he does like a boxer type gimmick, bro. Like he could, like he could be a star. Sure. Honestly. Thunderhook. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're doing with Hook right now. I don't really know what the future holds for uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry. But we're gonna shift away from AEW and uh, finish up here with Payback. Um, the third of our three pay-per-views that happened recently here. Um, some notable matches, Becky Lynch defeated Trish Stratus in a steel cage match to culminate that feud, arguably the match of the night. The Judgment Day defeating Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn to win the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships and another match of the night candidate. And Seth Rollins in the main event retaining his World Heavyweight Championship over Shinsuke Nakamura um, with the great Muda sitting right there in the first row. That's crazy. But it, it feels like they're going to run that back at Fastlane, so just your your overall thoughts on that pay per view and the match of the night. Either one of y'all. Go ahead, bro. I was gonna say I feel like I feel like that was probably the best Shinsuke Nakamura match I've seen in some years. Um, and I was I think I think with Seth Rollins. You know, like, realistically, like, Shinsuke hasn't been used properly as, like, to feel like a main event superstar since his debut between 2016 and 2017. So, for me to say that really doesn't mean much because they haven't, like, used him as, like, an actual, like, threat. And uh, I feel like his history just with, like, New Japan, like, should warrant, like, more consideration, especially with how much fanfare he could have, especially if WWE decided to ever, like, go to, like, Japan for a pay-per-view that would be fire. Um, but I think personally, so I think that match is fire. And I think because my expectations were low for that match, I think for what it delivered, I thought it was really good. I think it's only, I don't, I don't, I didn't really, I don't know if I wanted to see a rematch because I already know what the outcome is going to be. So it feels like we don't have a challenger for Seth. So we're just dragging this feud on. And, like, what's going to happen? Shinsuke's just going to keep on sneaking up behind him and then just, like, hurting him. 
Like, when did that become so I mean, scary? I, I think like, that's the story. Card. Like, it's. I feel like they're kind of building up to that. Like, all right, like he finally broke him down. Like, Seth, he can only do so much. Shinsuke finally gets to win. I mean, he's got to win a world title at some point, man. He's not. He has I, to. Dude, this is, you know, I, I want to say this because you bro, and Chris even if he holds it for like two bro. months, I don't care, bro. You and Chris keep on. Y'all want everybody to be Seth. Y'all got beef with Seth. Y'all don't like Seth. It's not that I don't. It's not that I. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Like, it's not even that. It's just like, I don't know. Roman's already got a stranglehold on the Universal title. I mean, I some guys know. just deserve like, a be, championship. You want me to be Seth deserves a good reign, man. You want me. He has one. He's, he's, he's on had, a he, Yeah. He's had a good reign, one. He had a good. He won the Hold of Mania. Yes. One. And two, I personally feel like Seth as a as a as a um as a babyface champion loses it for me. Like Seth babyface alone, good. Seth heel alone, good. Seth as a heel champion, okay. Seth as a babyface champion, we don't need that. And honestly, I think Seth, if for real, for real, I think Seth. Should hold the role that Seth, that uh, Shawn Michaels had, in my humble opinion. All right, which which run though? Which but, like, run? I think post I think post two thousand two after that he won that last World Heavyweight Championship. But he didn't need the world title. He was just having yes. good matches. Yeah. Yes, from 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 two from two thousand three basically to two thousand to two thousand ten. Shawn Michael was a showstopper. He didn't need the championship. And to be honest, I honestly think there were so many more people that could have used that championship than Seth Rollins. I said on this pod, bro, that championship, like, scavenger thing they were doing where they were doing the little tournament, bro, Seth wanted, um, Edge wanted one final run. You have Edge, you have Finn Balor beat Seth Rollins. You have Edge win his triple threat. Edge versus Finn Balor. Current, you feel me? With the whole storyline between the whole um, what's the word? What's the uh, what's the not the bloodline? With the judgment day, you got that whole storyline. You let Edge win for like two weeks, and then judgment and and then Seth and then Finn Balor finally wins back the title he never lost. See, the I, story I, I, I was cool with Seth winning it initially, just as like a thank you for just like you know just carrying Seth it. Seth deserved it, bro. No, like I'm not mad at him winning bro. it. I just thought should have won at SummerSlam. What has Seth done with that championship that he to like really make it that big of a deal that him just being a single star and having great matches could have done? You don't think Nothing. he's elevating that title? Huh? You don't think he's elevating the title? I'm telling you, I don't think it was the time for him. To, he didn't need to at that point in time. It's a new championship. Get a new face in there. Make a oh, new star. It felt like it felt like Seth. It felt like Seth's time, man. I feel like he was he hasn't been champion for for a minute before you uh, eventually won. He was putting a lot of guys over. He, like he lost how many how many straight WrestleManias before he before he beat Logan at Mania. I feel like that he definitely deserved it running. I think he deserves a good run too. Like not just some one hundred day run. I've been I've been into. It. I think I'm not. I'm not particularly into faking injuries. Just to, Seth doesn't need to be faking injuries, but just in terms of how Seth has been carrying himself with the title and, and the feuds, like uh, I was into him and him and Finn's feud, how personal that got. Um, I, I'm not into the whole back stuff with him and Shinsuke, but I, I'm into 
he's bringing he's bringing a good side out of Shinsuke. I think this is out of all the hill runs Shinsuke's had. This is, he's been doing good with this hill right now. Even though I'm not really into the oh you're back, I'm gonna break y'all. Y'all know you can't pick your baby up. This guy's picking up grown men and throwing them across the ring, bro. He's back is fine. We all know that. I feel like um, they try. I I don't like when WWE tries to force the underdog thing, especially with a guy like Seth who's clearly not an underdog. You don't need to force that. Yeah, I I can see your point on that, but I don't think that's necessarily a a, a knock on Seth. I feel like Seth's done. I feel like Seth's reign has been really good so far. I, I want it to last longer until Damian, I guess, is ready to cash it in and, and take it from him. So you just feel flat out Damian should be the next world champion? I think so. I think yes, they have to do something with with that briefcase. Um, as, as much as I would like. Girl, I want Finn to. I want them to eventually turn Hill on Damian and Finn to take the briefcase from him, and then Finn become the champion. That's just personally Thanks. what I want. Listen, Thanks. I wasn't gonna bring this up, but since you brought it up, I got a little tiny little theory. You know, I've been seeing it on Twitter. You know, we uh, Damian got the new briefcase. He got the you know JD Finn's boy, by the way, gave him a new briefcase, the purple Senor Money in the Bank briefcase. And then they had, had a little backstage segment. I think it was, I don't even know if it aired on TV. I think it was like an internet, something like the website, where Finn, you know, he took the contract out and gave it to, uh, out of the old briefcase, and he gave it to um, Priest to put into the new one. So I'm kind of thinking, like, what if Finn, like, just like, turned his back on Priest and just, like, switches the contract, like, switched the contract back into the old briefcase and just took that job and just cashed it in? Like I don't even know if he's allowed to do that. Complex, huh? Yeah, I don't think that's. It's a, it's, a, it's overbooking. It's overbooking. Yeah, it's definitely it's overbooking. Just, it will be fun. It will be something fun to do. Like, cause we never seen that. Like, cause like the money in the bank concept is kind of like worn out a little bit, and they kind of killed the concept itself. So it's like, if they like, I wouldn't mind if they overbooked that joint a little bit, do something creative with the with the briefcase. I thought that. I just think that would be funny. Um, but I don't know. With the World Heavyweight Championship, it's like... Because I feel like Gunther has to win that belt at WrestleMania. I don't know why, but I'm dead set on Gunther winning the world title at WrestleMania. I think he's eventually... They, I think they're something they I think that's why they they want to give him this massive IC title reign. I think... I honestly think people... Like, uh, he's got a world champion at this. Yeah, I think Gunther's... He's not Gunther's being point, I get. I think Gunther's being to the point where his hill run is really starting. Because before, it's kind of like, oh, Gunther's putting on great matches. This is the third... But now it's starting to be like, now we're starting to get to, to points where it's like, oh, I want this guy to be, you know, I want this guy to be. And that's, I think that's where it starts to get really good because um, I feel like Gunther's going to hold this title for a lot longer, even after he already broke the record. I think Gunther's going to hold the title until until it's time for him to win the world title. And they'll be like, all right, we'll take it off you, and we're going to push you to, to be the world champion now. So I think Gunther's a, another guy who's probably going to be holding his IC title until Mania. <laughs> and we'll see who beats him then. But, yeah, I mean... I mean, he can straight up just win the Royal Rumble as Intercontinental Champion, and then I'm not for Rob. Just I, I was or the Cody while, repeat. Yeah, for a while I was on the Cody repeat, but after I saw Jay at uh, Payback and that Raw, I really want Jay Uso to get. It. I really wanted to win the Royal Rumble, man. I don't know why. I really do. Who? Jay Uso. Just a lot. Gonna win, but I, I this like is gonna be a great Royal Rumble because you have a lot of candidates this year. Like it felt like mm-hmm. Cody was like, it felt like once they announced Cody's return last year, it was like all right, he's winning that job. Like, all right. I ain't year, expect, 
You got Jay, you got Gunther, LA Knight, Cody Repeat. Like, you got a lot of choices for sure. Royal Rumble this year. Come I ain't expect I ain't expect I ain't see that move that Jay was gonna go to, to Raw. That was that was a shock. I like it though. I like it. I do too. It keeps so separated from the bloodline. Yeah. Fresh with it. But I'm doing this thing over there that eventually gets to him and Jimmy at Mania. I think it's good for Jimmy too because it gives Jimmy a chance to really like start trying to submit himself because he didn't really get a chance to have his solo run. That Jay, like Jay is submissive. We know what Jay is. The the crowd is feeling Jay. Everybody knows what Jay going to do. I feel like Jimmy, this is a chance for him to prove himself to be like, all right, now you would top him on SmackDown. Let's see what you got going on. We're going we're going we're going to do whatever. I think his first I think his first week first his first week was good too. Coming out interrupting Cena and. Whatever that was, and just going around, just kind of being an asshole to everybody. When he when he um, interrupted me and Yemi talking about some like I don't know who you are. This in there like it, it was funny. It was funny, but um, to your point about the Royal Rumble, it's 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 crazy to see. I guess because WWE hasn't done it for so long, but Triple H is just getting the most out of his talent, and it's just probably just the most stars that we've had in a while. Like you got. The Sammy and like Cody, yeah, like, like Jay Uso, LA Knight, um, all these guys, Cody Rhodes, and it's like a lot of baby faces get, too. Yeah, What's the last time we had so many baby faces get over? Like yeah, this? but even like the Judgment Days, the Judgment Days big right now, like Dominic Mysterio, like just Triple H is getting the most out of his talent right now. It's just like it's a breath of it really is a, a breath of fresh air compared to what we was getting with in the Vince era. I don't want to just keep on knocking Vince, but like no, we it can. was rough. Yeah, it was, it was rough. It was rough. It was definitely. I'm rough. tired. I'm tired of the like all the respect. Like I'm tired of the Goldbergs. Like Goldberg yeah, coming man. back is fine. Yeah, but for that. Putting him in a world title picture is not okay. Like yeah, Goldberg should be coming back for this novelty three minute squash. For sure. Yeah, for I don't need him winning like, world championships. Like it's crazy. Vince was relying on that. Like no. Yeah, it's crazy for most of the 2010s. Was the most of the Royal Rumble winners were guys who won it before. <laughs> like, yeah. it crazy guys who won it like yeah. 10 years before. Like, Cena, Batista, or man. And you see Triple H one year into his reign, by the way. It's just like WWE has been, it's just like they did a complete 180 ever since Triple H got in charge, man. There's so many stars. Fucking Bobby Lashley, bro. Bob, this, this man, Bobby Lashley. When Vince was in charge, nobody cared about Bobby Lashley. He's like the most over guy on SmackDown right now. Had that man kissing up Lana, bro. Like, come oh on. My God. <laughs> like, I know y'all remember Bob, that, bro. The fact that these, these guys are supposed to be turning hill, him and the Street Profits, but every time Bobby comes out, the crowd is going crazy. Bobby, Bobby. Imagine, imagine somebody it, told you that. Imagine somebody, yo, Bobby's going to be the most over baby face on SmackDown. Imagine somebody told you that four years ago. You're like, what are you talking about? Who cares about Bobby Lashley, bro? Bob, <laughs> guys this guy's over this iteration of like Bobby Lashley and um and the Street Profits kind of just remind me of the origin of um of the New Day and how they were supposed to be that like serious like group and then like they they came out with like I don't know if you remember the whole like promo when it was like I would think they were at like in church and it was like a gospel they, choir they were doing the preacher gimmick and it was just, yeah like, not hitting at all it was not hitting and then eventually they kind of just like found a way like I feel like this team has a chance to just be a better New Day. It's it's like the opposite, I ain't gonna say better. Not yet. Because the New Day, they're going into the Hall of Fame first. I see what you say. I see what you say. It's kind of like the it's kind of like the opposite way. Because the New Day was supposed to be these, this babyface team, but the crowd started booing them, so they were first forced to turn heel. And like the, yeah. the, this this iteration of the Hurt business, 
We're supposed to be a hill faction, but everybody keeps on cheering them. So it's like, what do you do? <laughs> like, you gotta, yeah. you gotta make them easy. As long as they get that reaction, it don't matter. Like, yeah, I think eventually they, they gonna they gonna lean into the hill side. I think that's the whole plan of it. But man, I need to, I need them to get a tag team championship soon. Like, I that's why I, uh, that's why I was telling you in the group chat like they need another set of tag titles, but they won't have anyone to defend it against. But it's like we need tag belts on them boys. Like, don't get it eventually. I feel like there's a few teams that uh, for uh, it's been it a feels bit, like Judgment Day gonna have a little stranglehold on all these belts for a little bit. Yeah, I mean we'll see. I don't think I don't think they'll have like an extremely long reign. Just because I feel like it's gonna be something with Finn and Damien. I feel like there's something brewing there. At, At the same time, Triple H is into the privacy. he's into the long term storytelling too. Like we could see this this Finn and Damien stuff could last to WrestleMania. Like maybe that's the plan to have Finn versus Priest at Mania. That could be the plan. I would love it. Yeah, that could be the plan. It, and that doesn't good. need to be for a world championship. Be that briefcase, man. I mean, it could involve the world man, championship. Yeah. Like one guy could cost the other the, the title, and that's how they get their singles to WrestleMania. So they could do it like that. Also, to your point about the um, Usos, that match doesn't need a championship either. Like the whole story, like the brother versus brother, that sells the match. So that's why I say Gunther for the Rumble, because like as it, cool as it would be to see Jay win it. That match doesn't need a championship. It's brother versus brother. That that just sells itself. So, um, I mean, it's a good problem to have for WWE. They have a lot of different directions they can go in. Yeah. Usually, and usually the fall is kind of like this low period in wrestling, at least in WWE. Like leading into Survivor Series, it's kind of like all right. It's kind of like our end of the year. You know. We're kind of just getting ready for the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania next year. That's what we're focused on. This is just like end of the year stuff. But they have the potential. Triple H has the potential to make these months yeah. better. Because usually, <laughs> usually they get their ass kicked by football. Like right. we're just we like once the fall gets here, we just focus on football. Especially on Monday nights, is like Raw is always getting their ass kicked by Monday night football. Yeah, we, can actually, we can actually we can actually like make like wrestling should still matter throughout the year. Like, uh, no, I, I definitely agree. I feel like um, I feel like it's has the potential to kind of just like switch things up this year, just because like um, I don't know. There's like it's a lot of it's a lot of great talent, but they're gonna have to like have surprises in there that's gonna make you wanna like keep you engaged and keep you interested. So um, I think there's a lot of potential there. I think I'm, I'm very curious to see how Survivor Series shapes, up, shapes up shapes up this year, just because like I feel like um, even like the team, like the options for like who could be a team versus who could who couldn't be on the team this year. Like the last past couple of years, it, it's been like bloodline. I'm I'm here to 11. I would say like the past. I would say like the past two years. Um, you said 11. The, the past two years, like, the bloodline in particular has been, like, um, like the focal point. Like, they've had all those matches and stuff like that. Um, but uh, I think this year, I think this year, because of how fragmented it is, I'm curious to see how that plays out. And then, like, with, like they said with Royal Rumble, like, there's going to be a lot of great options. But then I also think it means that there's going to be a lot of great stories to build up to WrestleMania because there can only be one winner and there's going to be a lot of great like people that need a match for WrestleMania. So I'm super excited because we get to have this WrestleMania. 
So it's like, regardless regardless of who loses Royal Rumble, that just means that we're just going to have some fire matches because everybody needs to get they, they, they stuff off. Exactly. The Judgment Day, the Usos, like, L.A. Knight, like, well, it's really between L.A. and, and Gunther for me, for the Roman. It's one of those two. I think and I, and I'm, scared, it, yeah. I'm scared that L.A. is not going, like, if he doesn't win it, if Gunther wins it, like, Cody, Cody, Cody doesn't need to win it. Cody already got the story. He doesn't Cody. need to, but I think he's going to. Cause I think it's just the obvious choice. I want to mm-hmm. talk about. Let him win the chamber. Let him I go think, through I hell and win the chamber to get the Roman. I can see. I mean, There's no bad options really. Or I, I can talk about I can see them cool. do like a slow build where it's like Cody's about to win it and Roman gets involved because he knows he doesn't want to face Roman. He knows he doesn't want to face Cody again. On some like on the, uh, kind of like how he set up um the uh the Brock Lesnar one uh the Brock Lesnar when he lost to Bobby Lashley yeah and that ended up being the, the match. part of the reason yeah part of the reason why he got it you feel me like I I definitely feel like it's um, that was because Paul Heyman though that was kind of like the Paul Heyman thing right uh I think so I think it was yeah he he went back with Paul Heyman and then Paul Heyman yeah. turned on him. yeah um. But well, no, like something similar. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, I just I just think there's a lot of quality options for this one. Y'all got any uh, final thoughts? Mm-hmm. You know, y'all all watched Raw last night. That Intercontinental Championship match. Yeah. You, Gable, you, get, you see Gable winning that belt anytime soon, Greg? I know seeing he wants he, he wants to keep the the belt with Gunther. This is what I think they're going to do, bro. I, I I probably would do it too. You know. I mean, he's going to break the record by the time we get to Fastlane. So, like, I wouldn't be mad they pulled the trigger on Chad Gable. I feel like yeah, I don't think they just – I don't think Triple H is thinking, oh, we're just going to get it past the record. I think he's thinking, like, we're going to demolish this fucking record. Like, we're going we're gonna to go that. so far past it. That's, it. That's just what I think they're thinking. But I don't think anybody else is going to come close to that joint anytime soon. Uh, so, it's like, he'll be safe. When Triple H, we thought Sheamus was the guy. Now we think Chad Gable's the guy. Somebody's going to come along. Somebody always comes along. I mean, Sheamus could win it from Gable at WrestleMania. Or from someone yeah. else. Gable have a good run, too. I'm not... I, I, don't really, yeah. I would love for Gable I hate, I, I hate to keep using the word, like, earn and deserve. But, like, Chad Gable, he's he's earned it. Like, he's put in the work. Like, he's done everything the company's asked him to do. He's typically a tag team guy. We know, like, American Alpha... And the listen, history he had there with Jason Jordan, but I mean, listen, he's getting over. Listen, the you, man is you, getting over. Like they involved uh, his family into it now. Like, come on, exactly. Bro. You you mess with a man's family, family, you mess with a man's family, he better win. Like they remember put his, some, like Kevin Dunn put his crying daughters on television, bro. That was remember nasty when, work. Remember when Samoa Joe was talking about AJ Styles' wife? That was. He better have one. Wendy. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. You, you bring it up. I'm, I, well, Samoa Joe should have won it. Should have won it. He he's another guy that should have like him and Shinsuke should have both been. By the way, that's that's looking like the next few MGF and Samoa Joe. I like that. I like yeah, how they built it on that joint though. I like it. I like it. Going back to uh, Takeover Brooklyn all those years ago. That whole yeah. was that, like, 2017 or 2018. It's one of those Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. I just love to... how wrestling just builds on each other. Like yeah. it's like you long, really can... that long-term storytelling across promotions. Like, it's a meta, it's a meta MJF is that that baby face. I'm sure I'm with it, man. 
Yeah. Yes, sir. But I wanna I want to talk about something real quick and go ahead. We can finish it up. Yeah, we could we can with this. But maybe something I'm just thinking a little too deep in. I'm starting mm-hmm. to like sort of to jump off of the LA Knight train a little bit. And I don't know what it is, but yeah, I'm not sure I'm not sure what it is, bro. Don't, don't let Chris hear that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I was I was when LA Knight first came to the scene and he was he had this this stuff with Bray. I was a huge fan because he just kind of like jumps out at you, right, with all the catchphrases and the years and all that like that. But the more this Miz feud, I feel like it kind of like exposed a little bit out of him, a little bit, like just because I feel like there's not like a like when once you get past the catchphrases and the the um the years and all that, I just feel like there's not really much deeper to him. You know what I mean? I was thinking the same thing. I, I was like, thinking, bro. Like in terms like, of like just the promos or the match, just the, like, the promos, the promos promo haven't been on a on a on haven't been. They've been good, but I feel like I feel like at least definitely the first promo. I feel like Miz carried him through that first promo for yes. sure. Yes, I like the moment I saw LA Knight stuttering. I see, yeah, like, I, he's stuttering. I say, like yo, yo, he was stuttering. He was stuttering. I feel like LA Knight was trying to do like the whole rock thing where he's trying to be all like. All crazy and loud. And Let like, me talk to you. Get through it. But sometimes but, we just need to. Sometimes just calm down. Just calm down. I, like, I gave him like, a pass for that stutter because it's like you can tell the emotion. Like this is kind of like his. It's first. not even just a stuttering though. It's just like who who is LA Knight once you get past the the, the catchphrases and all, all the extra shit. That's who is it? No, like, I think that's, that's what we get into next. Like who is this guy? Facts is it's facts for that, but then it's also like I also feel like his. Um, his like I get bored watching his matches. Like he's almost he's almost like a watered down Miz, where it's like, you know what I mean? Like as of right now, like I'm MJF, man. I'm starting to watch these matches. Like even the 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 when the during the Bray Wyatt celebration. Like in my personal opinion, I'm like, how did you? Why did y'all let Finn Balor lose to LA Knight? Like you know that what I'm was, saying? Like. Too, bro. Huh? Might even at the, you know, I, was, I, was, I, was, I mean, the baby faces had to win that night, that particular night. Yeah, yeah. That, I just didn't like that they the had. Face. I don't like that they had Finn losing so much. But I'm a, you know what I'm saying? Like, like Finn's one of my guys, so I have a, I have a little bias. With Finn. Like one of my guys. And then, I, I, like, yeah. all right, you say that, and then you get mad when I say he should have won the belt at SummerSlam. Like, I don't think it was his time. Like, even, even, even with my biases, even SummerSlam, I want like part. Most of me wanted Finn to win, but I understood that it's just not his time. Uh, like, I understand it's tough. It's, it's tough time. Like, the whole time, I was going with Finn, bro. When he hit him with that, he hit with the Kuda, bro. I'm like, yeah, Finn, go ahead, get him. Because Finn's <laughs> probably my favorite in, in the viewer in there, bro. Let's be honest. I just but, like, like the way I Finn mean, talks. Just, just everything, bro. His hit If you know, Greg, his, NXT, his last NXT run where he was NXT. Bro, bro, I was oh, just about to say that, bro. God. I was just God. about to say Bro, he oh only, the, sec- the second and the second NXT got that because Samoa Joe got hurt, bro. Yeah. That's what gets me tight. That's what gets me tight. Like, come on, bro. Come on, man. Shout out Samoa. Elite, bro. Shout out Samoa. Yeah, I just want to, to voice my concern. Shit. I just want to voice my concern a little bit with LA Knight, man. I, I'm not too yeah, worried yeah, see, about it. I was Christian here because that's because he's the LA Knight advocate, bro. So like y'all two I was next episode, I want y'all to go back and forth on that. Yeah, I was too. I'm, I'm not. It's not that I'm not an LA Knight fan anymore. It's just I feel like this missed you kind of like, like it showed why he probably yeah. wasn't champion in TNA and stuff like that. Like he got he got a little like I don't know. He got some work to do for sure. But I, he'll get it. I think he'll get it together. I hope he does. 
no, for sure, that's valid. That's valid. But we going to end on that. This is a, man. This is a great episode. We had a lot to talk about. Thanks. Episode one hundred twenty-seven, guys. NFL Week One is right around the corner. We know we're gonna have a. We know we're gonna have to talk about that. I think me and Johnny tomorrow are gonna record a separate episode just for the Eagles and breaking down their schedule predictions. So stay on the lookout for that this week. Also, I think all of us collectively, as a group, we're gonna break down um, our predictions. I believe for Week One. I don't know if they want to do that or they want to do division winner predictions and the awards for this upcoming NFL season. But nevertheless, they want to look out for that. Always, as always, make sure to like, share, subscribe, hit the bell for notifications, leave a comment, share it to your folks, get the word out. Look, we only getting better from here. All right. Episode at a time, day by day, we're getting better and better. I, I promise you're going to get some betting episodes out there, too. I know people have been asking me about it. We're going to talk some betting as well for this NFL season. So stay on the lookout for all of that. I'm your host, Johnny Wooten, for tonight. That was Scene, and that's Greg. And I'll be easy out here. Have a good one.